these people here for John Krasinski's birthday. It's That's amazing. Right. That's what it is. What That's absolutely what it is. Yep. What a draw. 29 again. I'm, I'm 45. I'm wearing a, a wrapper on my, on my hoodie. I've got the white shoes. I'm like a walking midlife crisis right here so did you drive a red sports car here <laughs> not yet but that's that's, that's what i'm picking up on monday yeah that's yep, the gift. absolutely yeah no, seriously uh thank you all for getting here so early thank you all for coming out thanks most of all to chris finch coach of the minnesota timberwolves please thank you for being here just to say it once he doesn't have to be here uh he's doing this out of the goodness of his heart we really appreciate it welcome chris uh, thank you. I'm going to start you off with a couple of softballs for John just roasting. <laughs> That's it. Uh, first thing, we were talking about it earlier. You, we both kind of grew up, same area of Pennsylvania, mid-Pennsylvania. Uh, who were your – I'm curious because I had sports idols back then. Who did you grow up idolizing? Wow. Um, I grew up from a basketball uh, perspective. I actually like Bobby Knight, Indiana, um, even as a player. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Let's go for audience. Yeah. Let's go for audience, Richie. <laughs> um, I wasn't much. Uh, and then, of course, I watched, you know, the Sixers. And I, came, I was in high school when uh, the Celtics, Lakers, and the Sixers all had this, like, three-headed rivalry. Um, and when I was working in Houston, you know, with Kevin McHale, with my boss, I used to tell him all the time, I used to go down to the Spectrum and boo you on Sunday <laughs> afternoons. You know, I, I couldn't stand you. I hated you. You were like the guy that was dirty and cheap and everything. So, But I was really lucky to grow up in that era. And I grew up a big Sixers fan, but soon um, became like just a fan of basketball. So they had to like the Celtics, even though they were our rivals. And you had to like the Lakers because you had to like Magic and Bird and the way that they played. So those were probably my most formative uh, idols and you know, influences. What a great time to be a basketball fan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, um, looking back, it's, it's hard to explain like to people now. I mean, the, the NBA has never been in a better place with the stars and the, the, the so much skill in the game and, and just the volatility any given night, anybody can really win, which is what all sports really want. But back then, like just watching really the launch of the league in, in, in as we know it now um, and how, incredible those you know players were um just and, and they remain still you know some of the top 10 players of all time yeah. no doubt this is the john krasinski show this is part of talknorth.com thank you all for being here john go ahead yeah thanks for everyone for coming out uh most of all thanks to coach finch for taking some time on a saturday night uh to to spend some time with us but i think coach just to start like let's look at the big picture the season as a whole you're 34 and 15. You've been one or two in the West all for, for months now. Just what, what do you think about where this team is at from the big picture? We'll get into smaller picture as we go forward, but your overall arch of where, where you're at right now. Yeah, I mean, I like where we are at. I mean, um, I think if we sat down in the beginning of the season and said, hey, you'd be 34 and 15, um, spent 60-some days or whatever atop the, the, the West – you know, we would all signed up for that for sure. Um, you know, the, the league is wide open. The West is wide open. Um, right now, we're kind of going through it a little bit. We're not playing our best basketball. But I think, you know, silver lining is it's the time to do that. It's the time to figure some stuff out. It's the time to have adversity. You don't want to be trying to solve these issues in March. And the team gets funky at the wrong time. we got plenty of time now to kind of get it, get it right and get it back um, as we know where it can be. Um, but, you know, I really like where the team is. I like we have an identity. We didn't have that last year. That was a major 
point of emphasis coming into the season. Um, defense had to be our calling card. It has been uh, offensively. It's been ropey. We've got to get better there. Um, but we, we see a pathway. You know, we just have to b lean into it. Uh, and, you know, our, our younger players c keep getting better and better. I mean, I say young. They're, they played, you know, 400 games in the NBA by now. So they're not so young. But, um, but yeah, they, they, you know, they're playing consistently. consistently. We know what we're going to get every day. The spirit of the team is good. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot to be really excited about, not just for now, but looking forward. I mean, um, everyone would take, a, you know, last year we've been in the playing tournament. The year before we were in the playing tournament, they felt very different, you know. But nonetheless, um, you know, coming into the season, it was our goal to be in the playoffs and not in the playing tournament. And where we are now, we want to get greedy. We want to obviously finish as high as we can, um, hold home court if we, you know, in the first round. And then, you know, see how it plays out from there. Before John's next question, I want to set the scene. We're live at Headflyer Brewing, Hennepin, East Minneapolis. Uh, thanks to Headflyer for everything they've done for us. We always have big crowds here. This is probably the, the we've always had big crowds here. This is the first one that got here three hours before the show started. <laughs> yeah. So that's different. So thanks to Headflyer. Uh, thanks for having us. Back to John. Uh, Chris, you also live right downtown. I do. Um, not far from here at all. Yep. I wonder just what you have sensed in terms of the vibe around this team, around just the fan base that seems to be filling up yeah. bars, going to the Target Center and making it a rowdy place. Just what's it been like to soak, soak that up? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, people have been great. I appreciate everyone coming out tonight. Thank you very much. Round of applause for yourself. So. Um, I'm here for the free beer. Uh, <laughs> Me but, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I, I, I've, it, I mean, it's been phenomenal. I mean, the way that the fans of the city has gotten behind the team so far, and I think it's just the beginning. I, you know, you want all these things to last, right? And um, there's going to be inconsistencies. There's going to be growth moments. But what feels like what we're doing is real, and it feels like it's repeatable, and it feels like it's just the beginning of what could be a really long run here um, with a great young core and a bunch of guys around them that, you know, veterans who know how to win at a high level. So um, I think people appreciate it. I think they appreciate how we play. Um, that's what the feedback I'm getting is. Um, that's very inspirational. You know, it really is. Like, um, you know, it, you, you meet people and, and when they're complimentary of how you play because you just want people to be happy and excited and give them a product that they can cheer for. And I think, um, you know, when we are able to do that, it, it's, it's rewarding. And you've heard me say this many times, John, but this is an unbelievable sports town. Okay, I'm from Philly, Philly area. That's a great sports town. There's a lot of good sports towns in the in the country. All right, um, and this is one, and you can feel it as soon as you come here. You know, uh, sports matter, uh, and you just got to give people something that they can cheer for. And 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 we're really glad that we're able to do that. So, thank you. You arrived here under unique circumstances. You didn't have a background in Minneapolis at all. Just what, what has been the process like for you to not only get your arms around the team and, and get that going the way you want to, but also acclimate to a new community yeah. and, and, and maybe try to make it home a little bit? Yeah, I think, um, well, in our job, we don't get to pick where we live. And uh, but we're fortunate, you know, there's really not a bad city in the NBA. You're in major markets for the most part. Um, and before I'd come here, it was always one of my sneaky favorite places to come and visit. You know, I was, it was usually in the winter. 
Um, I told you we'd worked with Mikhail before, so he always had us here extra long when we'd come <laughs> in town. <laughs> so I got to know the city well. It was always, always a fun place to be. Um, and when the opportunity came here, you know, I I've, didn't matter doesn't matter where I've ever been. I've always like been all in where I go. Um, that's the only way that you get the most out of what you're doing, whether it be professionally or personally. And, um, you know, I love it here. Actually, um, I have a place in Florida, but I don't get down there in the off season too much because it's so nice here, you know, and that's when you really want to be here. I've got a boat on the lake. Yeah. Um, drink a lot of beer. You yes. Know, in, in, in Florida, your beer gets all warm and sweaty, but here it doesn't. Nice like, and cold. Yeah, it's, it's always cold. cold. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's no, no condensation on the beer. So, um, but yeah, it's, I, I, I've, I've lived in Europe for mm -hmm. 17 years and I always lived in town and I have a rule that I want to live somewhere where I could walk to get a sandwich. Mm -hmm. that's and a good rule. so that's why I chose to live in town. So I can walk all over the North loop and I can, you know, meet people about, but I can, you know, I can walk and get a beer. I can have a lunch. I can have dinner and it's, it's, it suits my life and my, my, um, situation extremely well. So. You are, um, in general, with us in the media, very even-keeled. Yeah. There's a, Every once in a while, you, you let yeah. your feelings know a little bit more. But I wonder if, in the privacy of your apartment, in your, in your office, do you ever throw something? Do you ever just, like, <laughs> have a fit? Like, I can't believe this happened tonight. And, and, and how do you blow off steam when, when something's not going well, right? This is my niece over here, Jessica. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, she works for the team, and yeah. when she moved to town, she's from Austin, Texas. She moved up here, and she lived with me for about 18 months, which is about 12 months longer than we originally bargained for. <laughs> but after that, I mean, she can answer that question. It's never fun. I mean, it's, um, you know, somebody had said the other day, oh, they, you know, they get to see the worst of you. No, they don't get to see the worst of you. They just get to see you when you're at your worst, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, um, we, but we try to practice emotional control, and... Uh, it's a long season. Try to stay on even keel. But of course, there's times where you just, you know, it eats you alive when you don't play well and you don't win. So how you talked a little bit earlier about kind of building off of that, about how do you keep the perspective of, hey, this is an 82 game season. There are going to be stretches when things don't go our way versus um, we have real issues that we want to address and have to nip in the bud and like and having that urgency within the patience of a season? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it's really the balancing act that we're asking ourselves every day, all the time, trying to gauge the team, try to keep um, your, you know, your finger on the pulse of the team. What do they need more than anything? A lot of times it's, you know, co as coaches, we would throw everything into it. We would have a million film sessions, practice all the time. You know, and sometimes it's, that's just not going to get the, you know, get the message across. Sometimes they need a break. Sometimes they need a soft brush. Um, and sometimes, you know, you have to just not see each other at all. I mean, like last Sunday, we lost a tough game in San Antonio and I didn't want to see them on Sunday. They didn't want to see me. So we had luckily had a bunch of football to watch and it was important because I didn't want to stand in front of the team until I had answers, you know, cause that's the other thing is you can just go there and just point out all the problems, but it's our job to give them answers. And until you have that right mindset to give them the answers that they need or the things that are going to work. That's, you know, that's where you really are going to be able to help solve the problem. So. And it sounds like today, um, maybe a longer film session. Yeah. What do those look like for you when you're kind of deciding, okay, now is the time where we really have to sit down and hammer home some points. Is it, are you, are you yelling and screaming at them? Are you teaching them? Like what's, what's, the, what does it feel like in a, in a situation? Nah, like that? I mean, it's not a lot of yelling and screaming. I mean, that doesn't work. Uh, you know, they kind of just, 
as anyone would tune tune you out after a while. You got to save those. You get about three or four of those moments a season, yeah. so you better better use them wisely. Um, that that film session today. So generally, we watch film and in, in themes, edits like, and, and those edits will be about twelve to fifteen, maybe twenty clips. It's not a ton, um, and we try to pick a theme and we try to get better at that theme and we build off that theme because you're not going to be able to solve everything at the same time. Um, but today we watched the entire fourth quarter. Um, we went through a play-by-play both offensively and defensively because you know that's where we've been struggling lately. Um, we've taken themes out of the fourth quarter before, but this one we we watched the entire flow, and um, and so it's it's and it's very matter of fact. You know, we don't pull any punches. We're direct. We have a saying in our locker room. It's called brutal truth. We got to give it to each other when it's necessary, but um, we just have to make sure that you know we're not we're doing it in the most non-threatening way. But these messages are being received. And then what we really tried to do today was tease a lot of discussion out of the team. You know, because when the team's talking to itself. And to each other, that's when you know you're going to get somewhere faster. One of the things that I've noticed about being around that group, it does seem like a group that absorbs and takes teaching or, or feedback. I mean, is that generally the ants of the world? The, yeah. the, you know, obviously, your vets like Mike and Rudy and all yeah. that. But it's, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people that take things too personal. And, no, and do that no, no, no. I think, um, you know... You're always going to be, as a coach, as, you know, as good as your willingness and your ability to coach your best players. And that's a two-way street. You know, they have to also be open to that coaching. And then it's up to you to find the right way and the style and the manner and the messaging. Um, but one thing to know about, you know, when you're coaching or teaching or learning, like, it's a cliche to say we get 1% better every day. It doesn't happen, right? There, and there's like these moments where you just keep stubbing your toe, stubbing your toe, stubbing your toe. And then you have these aha moments. And those aha moments come after you continually hit the messages, hit the messages, and there'll be a breakthrough. And that's how it is. Um, you know, hopefully there's progression, but generally it's like this revelation, okay, oh, I understand now. I mean, think about anything you're trying to learn. You know, if you sit down and you learn any kind of new skill, you get a, you get a little deeper understanding, but you don't really understand it all until some point it clicks for you. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of fourth quarters recently haven't gone your way, but if you look at the broader picture, generally you're taking leads into those fourth yeah. quarters. Yeah. Generally you've done right things to build those things up, and so is this a case do you think of where the more practice you get in those environments, which seems to be a lot, you have a lot of close games in fourth quarters, that it eventually is going to break through and, and, and start to click for you? Yeah, for sure. And, then, you know, a lot of that's on me um, and our staff to get the right combinations, the right play calls, and help manage the, those situations that the players right now are struggling to manage themselves. Um, and the other thing is just the recognition to say, hey, we've been here before. We know what we need to do. We can't do this. we got to do that. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, that's the number one thing. And I, we've, we've often changed the way we've played in the last seven, eight, nine minutes of a game. Um, now the game changes a little bit too, and we've just fed too much into that, you know, so. So at this point in your life, having grown up idolizing Bobby Knight and now dealing with modern realities, are you closer to Bobby Knight or Ted Lasso? <laughs> well, I'm surely not going to say Bobby Knight, so. <laughs> um, we want to also thank Aaron Freeman, who came here from the Timberwolves Senior Manager of Basketball Communications, uh, someone we, John and I deal with all the time. Thanks for coming out as well. Uh, tell me, what was the most interesting of your experiences overseas? Oh, my God. Um, 
Man, I have so many of them. I uh, was there for 17 years. Um, you know, I've had, um, I pretty much have been to almost every country in, in Europe, Eastern Europe included, with the exception of Romania. Uh, I haven't been there, but many times to Russia, Ukraine, all these different places, Albania, places you would never have gone, but basketball took me there. Um, just had some wild experiences. Um, two times I've, I coached teams that went bankrupt in the middle of the season, which that's always fun. <laughs> when, you're, when your players come to work and no one's been paid, including yourself. And, uh, and the only way to get paid is basically to threaten to go on strike so that they can pay you the cash that they just took from the gate the night before. <laughs> and then this would go on on a weekly basis, and then you'd have to have a team vote. Okay, who wants to play tonight? But if you didn't play, they couldn't have the game, so they couldn't draw the money. So, so that was just like this wrestling for money so that happened to me one time in england one time in um in belgium um but iron not ironically but i think what people often ask me is some of you know my more significant accomplishments both times those teams made it to the finals i don't know how <laughs> we lost in the finals but somehow we managed to cobble it together um and we were able to kind of plow through so i've had that everything from that i have had um I mean, on the court, nothing too, too crazy. I remember one time when I was still playing, actually, uh, we had in-season tournaments over there. They're very, very common. And, but they often take into account all the levels of basketball. So you'll have the highest level. So think of it as Major League, AAA, AA, and Single A. Well, we, we had managed to get matched up against a team that was like several divisions down who hadn't booked their arena because they didn't think they were going to win to advance. <laughs> so we had to play in like – a pretty much a, a school gym but this school gym in england had a you know the old green astroturf that you put on your back patio yeah, that's yeah. what the floor was <laughs> that was the basketball floor and it had lines on it and i remember my coach saying dive on the floor i said you dive on the floor i'm not diving on this thing so um yeah so just a, yeah, crazy crazy experiences like that but uh tell me what it's like working with tim Connolly because we we hear from you all yeah. the time uh, Tim, you know, speaks strategically at certain points. Right. Uh, so give us a sense of what he's like to work with, what kind of a guy he is. Yeah, he's a lot. I mean, he's a lot of fun. Just a normal guy. I mean, he's probably jealous he's not here. <laughs> yes. I mean, um, just loves uh, being out and about. Uh, he's a relationships-based guy, which is, you know, the, those are the type that you really always want to work for because they understand people and they, they care about the people. And they, you know, he does a great job of helping me connect with the players. I don't have to do all the, you know, like messaging and guiding of the players, whether it be on or off the floor. Um, so he's, he's really there, supportive there. Um, he's open, he's honest. Uh, you know exactly what, what he's thinking at any, at any time. He doesn't take himself too seriously, which I really, really love. Um, he's probably not an NBA insider. I'm not an NBA insider, so we have a connection there. We have a, long, we have a history going back to Europe when he used to come over and scout. I, would kind of see him there. His brother actually uh, is the assistant general manager in Chicago, and he was assistant on Nick Nurse's staff in England when we were all coaching against each other. So we have this like these odd connections that you know, go way way back. Um, and so it's it's really nice to have you know have him here. We're lucky to have him. Unbelievable basketball mind, basketball mind, a talent evaluator, um, and just always. This is the best in the draft room I've ever been around. Like, his ability to get deals done on the clock is super special, and that comes down to relationships. That means the person on the other end of the phone really, really trusts him because these deals have to get done in, like, two minutes, you know, and 
nobody feels exposed when that's happening. So it says a lot about them. Chris, I think one thing you both have done is make player development like a big part of what this program is. Yeah. And I just wonder what, if you could speak to the process with Joe Boylan and Chris Hines and, uh, and, and the staff you've assembled to try and get the most out of Ant and Jaden and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, guys that coming in here get better than when they arrived. Yes. Um, you know, I love uh, our player development staff is, 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 is incredible. Um, and one of the reasons that they're incredible is because they're super passionate about it. I mean, Joe Boylan, that's like what he wants to do. That's all what he's all about. And, you know, he kind of heads that up. The other thing is the energy that's put into it um, by the coaches. We're very big on like delivering you know, energy to the players via the coaches. And that's where you got to keep these guys motivated whether through a long season when they're not playing. Um, you know, one of the challenges for our player development coaches, he, they get a young player. And for the first time in their career, I mean, the first time they've ever played basketball, this is they've not played. They've always played. So they, you know, they might not see nights night see light at the end of the tunnel and you just got to keep them engaged and help them go through the steps and stay ready and so we kind of try to develop them like in two pathways one is what is it you can do right now when you get on the floor um, to help us in our system and what is it that we have to do longer term to help your individual skill development and we have different guys on our staff that are good at the different tracks and they they really marry up well um, and our player development program has kind of has a subculture to it you know which i really really love uh and there's a connectivity there and um and I, that'll that also makes the guys feel a part of everything that we're doing too in respect with that with anthony in particular he is still 22 years old yes. he's still going to make mistakes he's still going to learn and go through things yeah. has the success that you have had this season and where you are at in the standings and what seems to be at stake on a nightly yeah. basis changed at all how you can let him go through that or, or how he has to navigate that with respect to what you have going? Yeah, I mean, if you, listen, we're going through it right now. You know, like, um, he's a phenomenal player and um, just learning how to close games and manage end-of-game situations and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he was started out the season, did a good job. Um, right now, like he's kind of trying to figure out how aggressive can I be? How do I get my teammates involved? He's kind of maybe overthinking it a little bit. Um, but as we talked about before, I'm confident there'll be this aha moment for him. Um, and, you know, we need him to do that. Like this is just part of the bumpy road that we're going to have to ride. But he's, you know, he wants it. He he takes the feedback. He tries to put it in action the next time out. And I can see him doing it. And we see growth. And the biggest growth that we've seen in Anthony is the consistency. You know, a couple of years ago, he was he was a had an, you know, an oh, wow game, one out of three. Then maybe last year it was two out of three. This year, we pretty much know we're going to get a high level game from him every night. Um, and then he's going to have the special games on top of that. So has he cracked you up in a moment in a meeting or in a practice <laughs> or anything? Can you think of because. Yeah, for imagine. sure. I mean, definitely. It's hard to be mad at him. Sometimes <laughs> I want to be so mad at him. And, like, he comes into my office with his big smile, and he's, he's one of those kids who knows he's in trouble, and he's going to beat you to the punch, you know? So, um, but, you know, I always end up, you know, um, with, in a good place with him, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, like, he's, he, he is special in that he really accepts and enjoys that coaching relationship. One of the things I talk about, I ask people around you about what, 
makes you good at what you do. And the, the patience factor comes in in terms of, I think of last year, even going into the summer, how many people would have said, Cat and Rudy don't work. Yeah. It's not gonna, we have to jettison this right now. We have to make a move quickly because everyone outside of here is saying it's not working. And you stuck with it through it and it's paid huge dividends. Like, were you, how, do you feel any of that outside discourse or like how do you stay true to what you are believing in even when others often get influenced by, by other things? Well, I think, you know, we, believe it or not, we don't, I personally and oftentimes many of us don't pay attention to a lot of the outside noise because mm -hmm. if you do, you just, it'll drag you down, yeah. you know? And it might, I mean, even if it's not bad stuff, it just, it just, you know, you'll become rudderless. Like you just, if you're listening to all this discourse and opinion all the time. So um, we felt internally that, you know, we, 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 um, we still, even though with the cat injury last year, we didn't get a chance to really see it at its full effect. We felt we learned enough um, that we could build off of. Uh, we still felt it could make us different. I will say this, you know, coming into the season, I, I did say to Tim, I'm like, listen, we're going to know by 20 games if this thing's going to work or not. You know, we're not going to need a super long runway um, if this is going to work or not, because, you know, by that time we will have been through enough scenarios to see, you know, what's what's viable and what's not. Um, and, you know, our first 20 games were pretty, pretty good. Um, we still believe that, it, you know, it it's forms our identity. Um, and I think. Any seismic change, like it just takes a while. You know, LeBron goes to Miami. They didn't win the first year. Um, you know, just Phoenix is going through it right now. You know, like uh, I know they've had injuries too, and they're, they're a little bit like maybe we, we were a year ago. And, and you can expect next year they're going to be better. They're going to have figured some things out. They're going to maybe tweak the roster a little bit. You know, the, and, I've, and then bringing in Mike and bringing in Nikhil, these things – you know, helped in ways that we couldn't necessarily forecast, but we thought they would. And then going all the way back to the beginning when we did the deal, Tim and I, you know, we, we had a pinky swear and we said, we're, we're going to make this thing work. Like, we're not going to abandon it, um, you know, when it gets tough. And, you know, I had to promise him that I wouldn't and we didn't. One of the reasons there had to be, like, those two get along well. Yeah. It seems like they're both unique personalities. <laughs> yeah, they are both. <laughs> but if, if they did not mix from a personality perspective, then it's not, you know, the chances of it getting to where it is now are yeah. much lower, right? I mean, they, they seem to like each other and, and want to help each other. Yeah, they, they do. And that's been important for sure. And, you know, and Kat's graciousness in moving to a, a new mm -hmm. role and really trying to make the best of that, um, has been key, you know, that willingness to do it. And, you know, and anyone that knows Cat, you know, he's, he's very much a, that type of person. He's a pleaser. He wants things to work by nature. He's a, you know, he's a kind-hearted soul. Um, and so, you know, skills-wise, we figured it'd be fine. Like, but what the real benefit was, like, his openness to making it work. Because really, just, you know, Rudy is great at what he does, but there's, you're not changing how he plays. He right. can't change how he plays. So everyone had to kind of change around him. The last thing for me, Coach, um, is you have been involved in the community, Second Harvest Heartland, yeah. a few other things. Like, what's that process been like? And, and can you just tell people what you're working on with them and with other projects that you have going on? Yeah, so uh, um, involved with Second Harvest Heartland at board level. Um, 
And, but really my mission there is just to continue to raise profile for the hunger insecurity and the, the hunger gap that we have, not only here in the Twin Cities, Minnesota and the region beyond, but across the United States, you know, as a country who's wealthy and rich as ours, it's a little embarrassing that we can't get the basics right and can't get food to the people that really need it most. Um, I went to high, I went to college with Allison O'Toole, who's our CEO. So, um, and Allison, I had, you know, I reconnected with her when I got here mm -hmm. and she saw my name in the paper and I looked up, you know, her cause I knew she was from here, but just incredible synergy right off the bat. We just launched this moonshot goal to basically cut hunger in half by 2030. Really, really ambitious, but man, we've got the community behind us, Target, Cargill, many others I'm sure are, have been given massive pledges to make it work. And I know we got the leadership and we just need the continual boots on the ground to, to, to solve this issue. But it is important for me to come to uh, wherever, I, you know, wherever I am and be involved. I think it's, you know, just enriches your time here. And we're so fortunate in our job and literally we're spoiled every single day um, that it's, you know, my, I'm duty bound to give back in any way I can. So I uh, appreciate you giving me a little part. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. First time I ever heard of Second Harvest Heartland, Heartland Harvest was a, a Springsteen concert in 85. So they've been doing this kind of work for a long time. They're good at it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, everybody should be so proud of that. This is in our community. It's the second largest food bank in America, only outside of Brooklyn, I believe. And the reach that they have and the volume and the, the facility they have up in Brooklyn Park, and it, it is world class and the efficiency, and it, it's an amazing, amazing operation. Well, we've kept Chris longer than we promised to. Uh, so thank you very much. This is great. We really appreciate it. We appreciate not you, not only you showing up here, but also being so generous with uh, your thoughts. Let's let's uh, give you this exit. Yeah. You can just the floor is yours. Say anything you like about any subject. <laughs> no pressure. Favorite media member. Yes. <laughs> I just like, I, uh, yeah, go Wolves, that's for sure true. Um, just want to thank everybody for the support, man. That, that Target Center is an incredible place to go. Um, I particularly like the 9 o'clock starts because everyone's all oiled up. <laughs> yeah. And we got, yeah. we got a couple of those. And um, anyway, so thank you so very much. Yeah. I appreciate you coming out. It's, it's, it's extremely flattering. And uh, the passion you guys have for the team is is a lot of fun, so. And good luck tomorrow. I hope to see you in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. That would be great, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Chris Finch. Thank you, appreciate it. Great to see you. All right, we're going to let Chris make a graceful exit here. Yes, yeah, so, that's, the, that's a real thing, right? Birthday. That's a real thing. Wolves so are nice. The but. next two things on the agenda, we're going to take care of the business of the business. Then we have a surprise for John. Uh, just to take care of the business, we are coming to you from the virtual Aquarius Home Services Studio. Again, we're at Head Flyer Brewing, East Minneapolis. We highly recommend it Thanks, as man. a Timberwolves as a Timberwolves hangout, uh, they play Thanks, the man. games. Appreciate they will you. not. They will not shut the doors before the game is over. Uh, as John always tells you, well, I tell 
John, you want to do your uh, head flyer bit right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, my wife who is here and I have been coming here long before I had a business relationship. So I, I came here because they have good beer and they have a good place to hang out. And just getting to know the guys and, every, and all the people who work here make me feel even better about continuing to come back here and support it. Um, I, w I wouldn't be here if I, if I didn't like the people here, if, I didn't like, if I didn't, they didn't have a great product. And as you're finding out tonight, the bartenders tip them well, please, and they take care of you and just enjoy all of the mix of drinks that they have. It's great. And we've, as I said, we've had great crowds here for every show we've done. This is special, but hey, two summers ago, John was standing on the table screaming, and the place <laughs> was packed too. So we, we right. always get good crowds here. We appreciate yeah. it. I uh, want to let you know about one of our first sponsors. You know the deal, TSR Injury Law. Yep, 612-TSR time. That really is all you need to remember. But I want to thank Steve Terry and TSR. They've been with us for a long time. They've been great to us. They're great people. We hope you don't need them, but if you're ever injured, just call 612-TSR-TIME. They'll take good care of you. We want to welcome a new sponsor to the show, Define Destinations. Yep, Define Destinations. If you've watched Michael Russo's Twitter and, and listened to him, um, I'm going to Spain this summer, last week of August. Madrid and Barcelona. Beautiful. So we are, like, are you staying at Ricky Rubio's house? I'm going to knock on his door. Yeah. I'm going to knock on his door. Yeah. But uh, we'd love anyone that wants to come with, to come with us. Uh, if you go to definedestinations.com, you can find the Spain trip with John Krasinski. And we have a museum tour, uh, wine, sangria, and tapas tour. Uh, three days in Madrid, three days in Barcelona, high-speed rail there and back. Um, it's going to be a great time. Sign up, I think, by the end of May, and we'll all go out there. We'll have some dinners together, enjoy Spain together, and, and have a guided tour of, of the whole thing. So we know where we're going, and we can, we can find the best restaurants, the best museums, staying in four-star hotels. Check it out, definedestinations.com. Excellent. And one more sponsor, and then we're going to have our special, uh, special episode. Uh, tell us about... Lamb Chops clothing line, Shepherd Goods. Shepherd Goods, Lamb Chops. If you've seen Jordan die with his hair all, all dyed, sitting courtside talking trash to uh, players and, and, and being really involved, they've had a line of clothing for a while now that is only building and growing. Super comfortable and high-quality sweatsuits, um, hoodies, pants, jackets, all sorts of different stuff. SGLambChops.com. We'll ask some... We'll have some... Uh, questions from the audience at the end of the night here, and I'll pick a winner, and we'll give you a free SG Lamb Chops beanie. So thanks to SG Lamb Chops for joining up as well. All right, now, uh, you know, now that we got Chris Finch out of the way, now let's get the important stuff, which is it is John's birthday, and I think somebody might have a cake. Yeah. That is not enough candles. Not enough candles. Oh, John, come on, John. Come on, John. Use your broadcaster lungs. Well, first, welcome to Neil, one of the owners of Head Flyer. He's got this whole thing going, so thanks very much. Neil, why don't you tell us a little bit about Head Flyer and what you have going on? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you very much for coming out. We've been working with John and the John Krasinski podcast for a long time. We really enjoy it. We're hardcore basketball fans, and we want Head Flyer to be a place that all of you will come and enjoy and watch a basketball game. Um, so this is a great turnout. Love to see you all, especially a special day here where we get John's birthday to come out with Coach Finch. Um, again, yeah, just thanks for all for coming out. Come watch a basketball game. Come watch some playoff games up here. New TVs up above the bar. We're going to have the John Krasinski collab crunch time coming up very soon in cans as well as here in the tap room. So stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for celebrating your birthday with us. Thanks, really Dad. appreciate it. And uh, yeah, great to see Coach Finch out here. So cheers. Yep. Thanks, Dale. Blast. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Johnny, you got something you want to say, or should we start having uh, people come up and ask questions? Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say, you know, again, thanks to everyone for coming out. And if you have questions, come up. We have a microphone here. We'll answer as best we can. Um, and, you know, just really humbled by all of you coming out to see this show and the way it's grown. And also for Chris Finch, taking time on a Saturday night, an off night in between two home games was really special as well. And um, it's been really exciting to see all the excitement come up as the team has gotten a whole lot better. And I always knew that this was, environment was here. I just had to kind of tell people to stick with it, and here we are, so. Yes. Yeah. So do not be bashful. Please come, uh, right please up, come on right up, grab the mic, and uh, fire away. Hey, my name is Brian, um, big fan. I, my, my main question is, is the development of Nah um, kind of take the backup point guard need to a lesser need for the trade deadline? It's a good question. Um, I, would, I think there have been times where I would have said yes, absolutely, that he does enough of what they need to really supplant any kind of need for a backup point guard. But when you think about what else they need him for, point of attack, defense, um, you know, kind of really locking down an opposing score, especially if Jaden McDaniels is in foul trouble, I think that he has so many different roles that he plays that I, I believe that the team still is looking at backup point guard as a real area that they would like to address and, and get better at. And so is that Tyus Jones? Is it Monte Morris? Is it, you know, someone like that? We will see. But um, Nikhil has been a godsend in many ways for them with all the things that he can do. But I think they would much rather have him off the ball if, as, for as much as possible to, so that they can get more out of him offensively than what he's already given. So thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Hey, just to reduce feedback, we're going to have anybody who wants to ask a question go around the post back toward our producer, Brandon. He has the mic here. Yeah, go right ahead. I'll ask you a question while we wait for the mic to get rolling. How much trade fodder do they have after the Gobert trade? Yeah, I mean, they don't have you know, things to get into the major uh, players who are available, DeJounte Murray, somebody like that, uh, without really blowing up the team. They don't, they don't have a first-round pick to trade. They do have a, a bevy of second-round picks that they picked up in the Conley-Alexander-Walker trade. So that, those will actually be valuable for them. Um, and you can see them using those as major chips to get quality help, not like not star player, but enough that they don't really need that guy. They have enough stars at the top of their food chain. So they will have enough with Shake Milton and Wendell Moore and, and um, Troy Brown and, and, and a mix of picks to go get someone that can help them in that seven, eight, nine bench roll, which is really what they need most. If they get that short away, 
then I think a lot of what has gotten in their way lately uh, will be kind of addressed. Longer term question, what are the prospects of the Wolves getting a new arena and when could it happen? Yeah. Um, How much did A-Rod pay to, to raise that question? <laughs> It's, uh, it's a good question. I think you will hear as soon, as soon as we get the transition from Glenn Taylor to Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, you'll hear a lot about it. And I believe that that group has done a ton of research into the issue uh, and that they will come guns blazing with real plans. And so, I, you know, the, the, the prospects of can it be done in five years, can it be done in six, seven years, probably sometime in that window, I think is what you'll see them push for. The question will become, uh, how much money do they want for it? Now, if, if, as Alex Rodriguez has said, that they're going to privately finance most or all of it, then that makes things a whole lot easier, right? But um, if they need any sort of city, county, state help, that's going to be a little bit of a bigger issue, which is why they are so aggressive in trying to win as much now as possible. This builds up goodwill three or four years ago. Everyone who said, told the Timberwolves, go fly a kite. We're not giving you any money. Maybe they still would be the case, but it's a little bit more leverage on their side. But you will hear the arena stuff start to come up very soon, maybe late this spring, maybe this summer, to try and start to get a pathway toward one. Good question. Thank you. Uh, last plug of the night, wingman Matt has his food truck here. He brought some stuff up. My wife and other people around have sampled it. Really good. Uh, Chipotle glazed cheese curds, really good wings, chicken sliders. So thanks to Wingman Matt for being here. We do appreciate it. Yes. Hey, guys. Um, my name is Andrew Johnson. First off, thanks so much for doing this. This is incredible. Um, last night's game has me thinking about rotations a lot and more so specifically about that ninth spot. Um, we saw J-Mac get some run in the first half. You know, he has six points, an assist, two steals in five minutes. Um, he's having one of those instant impact nights that we're becoming accustomed to this season. But when Orlando goes big in the second half, we don't see him get much run. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, what goes into making those decisions? Is it more reactive to what you're seeing from... Uh, the opposing team? Or is this something you go into the game with a game plan thinking, okay, J-Mac or Shake or Troy is going to get these kind of ninth spot minutes. Um, and obviously we're going to see those kind of diminish come playoff time. Yeah. Come playoff time when those minutes really expand. Yeah, it's, I, I think Chris Finch is one of those coaches that likes to have a set rotation because he wants everyone to have a pretty good idea of what their role is on a given night. If something goes completely haywire, injury, foul trouble, something like that, he will change up the end of his rotation. But in general, he wants people to know, hey, this is when you're coming in, this is when you're coming out. Now, one thing from last night, Finch said that he should have played J-Mac in the second half, and he didn't, and that was a mistake on his part. I understand why he didn't, because they were so big. Like, how does he match up? Where does he go? But I do think when they got to a point in early in the fourth quarter where the ball was not moving, that's a way to just inject some ball movement and try and get some energy going. And he didn't, he just kind of, I think he stuck with his big lineup to try and match them. And oftentimes, with the 8-9 spot, he will, he will match up against another team, more so with his starters. And maybe the first seven spots, he's like, no, I want you to adjust to us. And so I, I do think, though, that he regretted 
not going back to J-Mac last night and seeing if that would have helped unclog what was going on. Yep. Good question. Thank you. Hey, John. It's, hey, uh, hey. Great to meet you for the first time. Yeah. I love your writing, so Thanks it's kind of cool to meet you. Uh, I just want to pivot a different direction with uh, Leonard Miller. Yeah. So I, you know, with Leonard Miller playing at a high level in the G League, do you believe that the Wolves would ever give him like a run in the main squad this season? Or do you believe that he will continue to kind of like develop his game in the G League and that they'll just kind of like start to play him and on the team next year? Yeah, I, I, I get a lot of questions about Leonard Miller because he is really talented. He has just all sorts of physical gifts. Um, the problem for Leonard Miller is not Leonard Miller problem. It's a Timberwolves problem. I mean, they're in first place in the West, second place. They can't really afford to put a very raw player out there and have him learn on the job, I think, as much, especially because right now they have Nas, Cat, Rudy, there's not, and Kyle. There's not a whole lot of minutes at that 4-5 for him. But I can tell you that they love him. They think long-term. They are super high on his potential. And so I think as early as next season, you will see him go into the rotation because Kyle Anderson probably isn't coming back, just given their, their financial restraints. So there's going to be spots that open up for a Leonard Miller to come in um, and, and, and get more time. But they're, just, they're too good right now to kind of throw some, uh, you know, one into the deep end and, and see if they can swim. Thanks. Nato, how you doing? Nato. Jim, John, hi. Hello. Uh, my name's Nato Coles. Um, I love these events so much. Thank you. We've had, a, I think, a lot of really, really good technical, procedural questions tonight. Sure. I'm not going to do that. John, uh, two-parter. Who on the active roster would win in a bar trivia competition of general knowledge and who on the active roster would win if it was specifically NBA history trivia? Ooh, good questions. All right. Before I answer, just a quick reminder, we're going to give away some Wolves tickets. We're going to give away a Wolves sweatshirt, some head flyer swag in a little bit here. So hang out uh, with us. But um, Wolves, our general trivia, I'm going to say Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He loves to read. He reads books all of the time. He's, he's kind of... He's a deep thinker, he's worldly, so I think that he has the, what it takes to, to win something like that. Um, basketball history, uh, definitely Mike Conley. You know, he's, he's, been, uh, he's been in the league a long time, he's a student of the game, bite bite, yep, so I think that he would win that, and I think if you asked him, he would tell you that he would win that, so. Yeah. Yes, thank you, thank Nato. You. Good seeing you, Nato. Hey guys, how hey, are you hey. tonight? Good to see uh, you. Jim, nice to see you. I haven't Good seen see you, you since the elevator. You've got a couple of really cute dogs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we live in an apartment building with actually half the Timberwolves staff, I think. Yeah, very cute. Um, Johnny? Yes. So I got a, a technical question for you. Please. I'm wondering in your thoughts. Um, the last couple games, probably the last two in a row, Finch has taken a timeout with like three seconds to go yeah. in the third quarter unique time to take a timeout. I'm wondering, are you thinking he's planning for end of game prep? Like, is, is it end of game prep that he's doing? Or why do you take a timeout with three seconds to go in the third? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I've wondered the same thing a little bit. Um, I think that there's a couple of reasons. One is a lot of times, like last night, for instance, at the end of the third, they were playing very well. They were building their lead. 
And I think the last thing that he wanted to happen in that moment was, do not turn the ball over. Do not make some mistake where they get a three heave at the buzzer and you kind of wipe out all of this momentum that you built. Now, they wiped it all out in the fourth quarter, yeah, which is unfortunate. But I think it was, it's kind of like with a young team that, or, or with a team that is prone to mistakes, it's like, hey, lock in, do not lose focus for, for this last minute. And I think that also going into the fourth, he, with those situations, if he has a, a, an, an extra timeout that he normally, he, he does not want to take any timeouts with him at the end of games, at the end of his life. When he retires, he wants to say, I used every single timeout that was available to me. And so I think there's just something about that if just any chance that he can get to get in their ear a little bit, refocus them, set them up for that end of the quarter, but also going into the fourth, I think, I think that's what it is. But I, I also, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little unique. Yes. Thank you. Happy birthday, John. Thank you. With the trade deadline coming up and everyone getting excited about all those new names, do you think that we as a fan base have begun to underrate Kyle Anderson and all the versatility he brings on defense as well as the high playmaking IQ on offense? Yeah, I, th I think that there's definitely a lack of recognition for how important he is to the defense and just how important he is to the locker room in general. He's one of the vocal leaders. He's the one that kind of calls people out when they're not going, doing well. Um, he is... Uh, when, when, a, when a team goes small against the big wolves, he's their antidote for defense, like to go out and guard two, three, four, and do it very well. And so that's really important for Finch, and that's why he does not want to let him go. Now, that does not reduce the problems that he's had offensively. I mean, he's not shooting the ball from three. Uh, he's turned the ball over. We saw him miss a couple of bunnies last night that he normally makes. So he has to play better offensively to be able to get minutes in a playoff situation, but I just think that he's so important to like the fabric of the chemistry of the group that I don't think they're gonna punt on him, barring an opportunity to really upgrade offensively in a major way, and I kind of doubt that's gonna happen. Yep. Thank you. Hi, John. Hello. Do you have any sense of how active the Wolves might be on the buyout market? There's yeah. a lot of trade chatter right now, yes. but I start thinking, I don't think I've seen Mr. Kyle Lowry in a Hornets jersey yet. Right. You know, if the Warriors do some kind of big move with Chris Paul, something like that, have you heard anything regarding like what their view on the buyout market between now and the playoffs might be? I think for the first time in recorded history, the Timberwolves are actually a destination in a buyout situation. So that's like a major, major change because A, they can offer real minutes and a real role, and B, they have a little bit of their mid-level exception left, so they can offer more money than the, mid, than, the, than the veteran minimum, so they could actually maybe be able to win a little bidding war with, with other teams, and they're a winning team, and so um, they can, I think they will be very attractive for a buy market. So if, you're, if I'm guessing right now, I think they're most active trying to address backup point guard in the trade market, and then shooter, bucket getter type, in the buyout market. Um, I don't think Chris Paul is realistic. Kyle Lowry has makes some sense, but I'm, I'm, I, I'm not betting on that. Doug McDermott, what if Gordon Hayward got bought out? You know, guys like that, I think, will be available and the Timberwolves are absolutely looking at it and believe they can be a player in that area. Yep. Got about five more minutes before John goes crazy on his birthday, his, next, his latest 29th birthday, so fire away. 
Hey, John, it seems like Luca Gars is just a real favorite in the yeah. locker room and all that. Can you talk about what he could do long-term or short-term to get some run with this team or with another team? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the hardest part for Luca is that he's playing behind three incredible bigs. Like, there's no team in the league that has more depth at 4-5 than the Wolves do. And so, on another team, Detroit, Charlotte, you know, my, even like Miami, even smaller teams, you, you could see him getting real run, and he's just stuck in a logjam. I think there are questions about him defensively. There are questions about kind of does he move his feet well enough and things like that, but um, he can score at a very high level. He can shoot it, and were, did the, it, were it not for Nas, um, Kat, Rudy, and Kyle, he'd be playing on this team right now. And so do I think his future is here? Probably not. But I think he definitely has a future in the league because he's so skilled offensively. He's just got to find the right fit for him. Good question. Thank you. I am a Minnesota sports fan, so I, it pains me to ask this question because I'm scared. Yes, go but ahead. Looking ahead to the playoffs and a, you know, conference finals, how does a team like Denver or the Clippers or OKC, how do they match up and how does that series go yeah. in terms of Ardos? I mean, you know, I, I understand that there right now is a lot of worry and skepticism or, or, or just general PTSD from all of the Minnesota sports disappointments of the past. Um, but if you ask me, when you put this team up against a lot of the teams in the West in a series, I like how they match up. The Clippers, I think right now everyone says are the favorite. They play a lot of isolation basketball with their wings. And one thing the Wolves do very well is put Jaden and Ant on those isolation players and really make it hard for them. Um, so I like that matchup. We've already talked about how they match up with Denver. Like, I, I would still give Denver the, the edge, but I think with a healthy Jaden and Nas, that series might have been at least way more competitive last year. And, um, and then you look at OKC, very dynamic, but they're not big enough. And so over a seven-game series, I think that the Wolves' size would wear them down. Now, they have to improve just light years offensively late in fourth quarter, but they have like 30 games to do that, and, and I think they can work out a lot of the wrinkles and position themselves to be real factors in the playoffs. Now, if you ask me, if they're playing New Orleans in the first round, I'm worried. Like, they don't match up as well against a team like that. If they're playing Sacramento and they make a trade for a big man and they spread the ball around, I'm a little worried because they, they, are, they, they have things that make the Wolves look worse. Um, but against the top teams in the West, uh, I really do like how you put them toe-to-toe -to -toe against them and, and how they match up. And they could lose any of those series. They could win any of those series. And so that'll be the fun and also incredibly stressful period that, that we're about to get to. So, All right, one more question, then we're going to... Wish John happy birthday one more time. And yes. I'll, I'll be around a little bit later. If you have more questions, I, I'll try and knock those out too. So, well, Apologies if you already got this question, but I saw a report that the Wizards turned down an offer for Tyus Jones. Uh, any idea what that offer might have looked like? And kind of a follow-up, like how much would you expect the Wolves would be willing to give up at the deadline to just improve their team around the margins? Yeah. Yeah, so there was a Thanks. report that the Wolves offered four second-round picks for Tyus Jones. That's not true. It didn't happen. But I do believe that they are trying 
to have conversations with the Wizards. Um, I think the Wizards right now want a first-round pick. I don't think they're going to get that. So maybe as we get closer to the deadline on Thursday, maybe that price drops a little bit. Maybe the Wolves or other teams get involved and, at that point. But they're very much being aggressive with their second-round picks with some of the guys at the end of their roster to try and make a deal. They're not looking at this as, we're okay, we're just going to let this ride out. They do want to improve, and they're being aggressive trying to do that. So I think that they will end up making some kind of a deal by the end of it, whether it's Tyus or whether it's someone else, I don't know. But um, I think they're going to make a trade to try and improve this crew. Thanks so much for the questions. All right, time to say thank yous. Uh, thanks again to Head Flyer Brewing for having us here. Uh, give them a round of applause, please. They've been great for us. Uh, thanks to Chris Finch, of course. Thanks to John Krasinski. Happy birthday, John Krasinski. Thank you. And keep the applause going. Our producer, Brandon Morton, you saw him sweat through all of his shirts trying to put this thing together. It's not easy to do. Uh, thanks to Brandon. And, and thanks to everybody at TalkNorth.com who's made this uh, thing grow, put us in a position to have great shows like John's and have Chris Finch come to a show. That's, uh, that's I tell you what. Ain't many NBA coaches going out to a local bar to talk to fans face-to-face. -face. That's unique. That's, thanks. That's a tribute to uh, Chris's personality, also to John's relationship with him. So, hey, thank you all. We appreciate it. Have a good time tonight. 